Hello, everybody, and welcome to Viewing Gods, the Explosion Network's American Gods after show. My name is Dylan Blight, and this week it is a solo show, so presumably it'll be a much quicker, presumably, I don't know, we'll see how long I can yap along to myself. Nick is sick this week, but the show must go on, of course, and Viewing Gods does not wait for the dead even though this week's episode was called The Ways of the Dead, directed by Sally Richardson-Whitefield, written by Rodney Barnes. Uh, this week, we pretty much got a lot of setup uh, to a potential fight between uh, a lot of the gods that could be happening in the future, uh, between uh, Ibis, uh, uh, Nancy and such. Uh, Wednesday finally takes his spear to get fixed up with uh, Salim and the, the Jinn along for the ride, and Laura reunites with Mad Sweeney in another attempt to come back to life. And Shadow goes on a bit of a history lesson about Cairo. Um, so I thought this episode's this week's episode was a good one. It was it, it's it's weird to say that it was more in time with season one because like stylistically, no still, but then somewhat it was the most obscure episode of the season, which Reminded me a lot more of the the original uh, season of the show, of course, because we got this whole story uh, with William James and stuff, which we'll get into in a moment, of course. Um, and that all seemed like it's mostly very obscure. And then what, what they're hinting at there with potential of Ibis actually being the one who's killing or potentially having something to do with Black Ubes being killed and brought in, so he can have his constant run of bodies because that's kind of like what he feeds off he feeds off the the, the dead more so than the, the living support and nancy confronts him about that uh th so there's a very like weird story going on where it wasn't very much open to the viewer and explaining exactly what was happening it was more left open to interpretation somewhat and it can be a little bit annoying to a degree because then of course by the episode's end even shadow's asking for questions and i'm honestly getting sick of seeing scenes of shadow asking for questions not getting him shadow asking for questions not getting him it's becoming quite annoying and as someone who hasn't read the book i don't really know if he's constantly asking and getting shut down as much in the book as he does in the show but in the show he's just and I'm glad, like, we had that moment of the week where he, he st stuck up for himself in the bar versus uh, Wednesday and was like, no, you need me, blah, 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 blah. But back in this episode, we're back to, like, Shadow coming and being like, what actually happened to me? And then he just charged that room and was like, mm, that was a bit weird. Um, but overall, I thought it was a very, uh, yeah, I thought it was a good episode. I thought uh, visually it had a lot of uh, interesting things happening visually, of course, throughout it. And then the stuff that happens with uh, Laura and Sweeney is uh, potentially setting up a lot of interesting things that we're going to have ha happen over the last few episodes of this season. So um, I definitely wasn't the worst. I still would say that the other week was my favorite episode so far of the season, but we'll see how it goes. All right, so the first thing I really want to talk about and get through is this whole shadow and william james story that we have which is I wouldn't say it's the it's it's definitely not the least important story of the episode it's i would say from the outset a lot of people could argue that laura and sweeney's story was like the main story of the episode and like the most important thing happening character wise i suppose like characters actually getting somewhere and doing stuff yeah for sure but then the shadow and the william james story 
as I was saying just before, it's, it seems to be hinting at and uh, setting up a lot of stuff to do with the gods in the future uh, and potentially rivalries am- amongst themselves, which is interesting, of course. So in case you forgot, the episode opens uh, with this scene, which I thought was going to be a coming to America scene because they they did the uh, letterbox thing, which is usually what they do when the scenes are uh, coming to America scenes. It, you know, black bars, top bottom, we've got a letterbox thing happening and that's usually a, a flashbacky type thing or a coming to America thing or something along those lines. And then you'll notice, of course, when the show goes back to actual normal stuff with Shadow after this whole opening scene, it goes back to uh, full screen unless you're watching some weird torrent version that somehow gets rid of this in which I think I've seen people talk about. Uh, but it was this story of William James and it was basically being imprinted uh, and shown into Shadow's mind, which after you learn, make some of the things make sense because there are parts where it looks like he's seeing Laura as the dead woman on the ground. And we find out later, of course, that the dead woman on the ground was just some random uh, white woman that got killed and then uh, William is accused of killing her and, and so on and so forth. But I believe it's supposed to be because he's been like, he's like piecing together the story in his mind. That's why he's kind of seeing it as Laura um, and like other characters where he's kind of seeing his face over them and these sorts of things. But even though he obviously wasn't actually there. Uh, but Shadow does get to see this person being lynched, who we learn is William later. Uh, they're, they're lynched, they're shot a lot of times. Uh, they're carried through this street and everyone's like laughing at them. You, you can tell that this person's been um, dragged through whatever town this is, which we learn later is Cairo, and he's being sh- used as a uh, a message, I guess. And that's kind of how the, the episode opens, of course. So then when Shadow wakes... He goes into the bar, uh, his bathroom, and he sees himself in the mirror as William James, somewhat, uh, and he's on fire, and you can see the bullet holes in himself and these sorts of things. And he, for whatever reason, William is like attempting to force him to come up and like slit his own throat, which he fights back and eventually breaks free. And it's, it's a very weird opening to the episode. I'm like, I don't really understand what's happening at all, but kind of makes more sense by the the, the end of it, I guess. Um, but. One of my biggest problems this episode is what happens right after this, which I'm checking now, even though it's to do with Wednesday, not to do with the story, before I forget. But when he walks outside, he sees Wednesday pissing on what Wednesday calls the world plant. And then he, Shadow's like, why are you pissing on that tree? And he's like, I would never pee on it. And I'm like, okay, very interesting. But the thing about this is, is that not the seed thing that uh, the djinn was given the previous episode? And if it is that C thing, this is some of the worst consistency I think I've seen on a show in some time, especially with a budget that this show's got and quality and whatever else. If they're trying to say that's a completely different seed and then the the seed that the Jin's got, he's going to do something else with it later, okay. But if it is that seed, it doesn't make any fucking sense at all. How the hell did did he get it off the gym when he hasn't met up with him and Salim just yet. And if he did meet up with them, why the hell doesn't he have the the, the spear? Why wasn't he taking that already? It, it just doesn't make any sense at all. I'm hoping it's a completely different seed or else, yeah, consistency-wise, it doesn't make any sense at all. And continuity, continuity errors are usually hard to spot if you're not paying too much attention, but that seems like such a glaring continuity error. It makes me wonder if anyone even watched the fucking <laughs> the episode somewhat. It was really, really weird. Uh, so then Shadow is left alone in the house because Wednesday goes off and he does his own thing with the those two later in the episode. Um, and Ibis uh, begins talking to Shadow and explaining the story of William James, who was a man who was accused of killing a white woman. 
which we kind of gathered in the opening thing. Uh, he was then hung, shot, and then dragged through the town as a message to all the black people, I guess, is, you know, don't, we'll, we'll do this to you. Very racist, of course, period of time, early 1900s. Um, now, I've seen a lot of people online complaining, not a lot, but I have seen some criticism of this episode and I was very confused at first because I didn't, I had no idea that this person was actually a, a, a real person. This is based on a real story. They're like this William person, whatever is a, a real figure. This really happened. And people are accusing the, uh, this episode of kind of glorifying or, or like not treating the story of dignity somewhat. And, I, I, I'm open to hearing more of those interpretations from people and, and their thought process on it. But for me personally, I never found any of it to be anything but uh, obviously haunting somewhat. And like the episode opens, it's like getting the, the noose chucked around, getting shot. And like, none of this is, hey, look how cool. It's it's obviously evil and nasty and it's played evil and nasty throughout the entire episode. So I, I don't know. I'm, I'm kind of like, I... I'm open to hearing more about why people feel that. And then at the same time, I, I looked up the, if they, I was like, if they, if they're handing such a um, subject matter like that, I was wondering what they did behind the scenes to take into account the subject matter. And I looked up and the writer of the episode, uh, whose name I've already forgot, even when he said it right before, uh, Rodney Barnes and uh, the director, Sally Richardson uh, Whitefield. Uh, to put it bluntly, no white people were involved in making this episode. Well, at least in the in in those two departments, right? And I feel like potentially that was done because they were can't, um, handling a uh, like what this story was mostly about, which would is is good, right? So I, I I don't really know more than that. I I'm open to hearing more about it, but it's to me I'm like I don't feel like the episode was like glorifying it or making it out to be anything other than what it was. So yeah, I don't know. Uh, but he explains it. And then most interesting, William apparently cursed his own people. So this is what Ivis says. Ivis explains that William apparently cursed his own people in the last moments of his life. And that's kind of why he says that Shadow is coming, coming after him, I guess is what I gather. Um, when they cut to so Nancy, we see following a man after this. Um, Nancy's just back in town and he's doing things. Uh, he's following a man. And then we see this man go up to a house and he performs a drug deal. And then after he comes, he walks away from the house, the cops are there and the cops start chasing him. And this guy runs, tries to escape from cops. And it seems like he would have to a degree if he didn't turn a corner and then see William's head on a burning stick, which causes him to get caught, which I think is somewhat important and plays into the whole, like, is it actually William haunting people or is it Ibis using William to potentially get him caught? And that's the kind of thing later where Nancy confronts Ibis about this somewhat is what I was kind of gathering uh, because we then later in the episode, Nancy returns to Ibis um, and he's basically accusing him of causing more deaths and by causing more deaths of people to keep his, to keep Ibis's workflow, well, like, to keep his, uh, what he feeds off going through, like the dead, obviously uh, he's taking away followers from Nancy because he's killing his followers or potential followers. So he's not happy about that and he kind of confronts him on that, which is weird after last week's episode where I thought it was the kind of three of them, uh, Bill Quist included, kind of agreeing and forming some sort of pact. And now it seems like they're not, which which was weird and interesting, I guess. Um, so he calls him all that. And then the, the episode does a lot more weird and interesting things with William's story. So 
at this point it was kind of like turned on its head of is it actually William? Is it Ibis? Is like I'm not. Is it William and Ibis? Is Ibis is Ibis just making up the whole William thing? It's it's like is he lying? I mean, let's just assume that old, old gods are, are lying at this point. I feel is a an easier thing to say for sure. Um. So then it's like when you look at the head on the stake, is it uh, a symbol? Of William, uh, is that a symbol of William haunting his people, and he stopped that guy directly in his tracks and got him caught by the cops and these sorts of things, or is William's head on a stake a symbol of uh, Ibis interfering and doing all these sorts of things? And was Nancy following and in the background seeing this because they did show him at the scene? He did seem to be following that guy. I don't really know. Um, Nancy though, yeah. Uh, Interestingly, and fu- one of the funnier moments in this episode, as he turns back up to the funeral home, starts calling Shadow shit and basically pissing him off. Uh, and then the one funny line, I think there was two, but this one I found quite funny, was Shadow gets up to leave, which we'll get to in a second, of course. Uh, and then Nancy <laughs> Nancy goes, fuck him. And then Dot Dot like, takes a breather. Oh, speaking of, I saw your cat, which I was like, oh, that's that's quite that's quite clever. You, the show the, the writing in this show has somewhat gone to shit this this season, but I, I enjoy. I felt like that was uh, a rude, crude, but smart written joke. Uh, so then Shadow gets into his car, and he's like heard all these stories about William Blake and all these other uh, sorts of things happening in this episode. And then he's driving along in his nighttime joyride, getting some fresh air, I guess. And he comes across a dog in his path, a jackal, which is um. Uh, Anubis, right? Yes. The, the other one, the, the actor who won't return for this show, who was with Ibis, uh, the partners. That's where it's like, presumably him, I think is what it is. But the actor, no, just the dog. Um, and he stops him, stops the car down the tracks and then Shadow gets out of the car and he starts following the dog down this alleyway or wherever it's going, but up towards a church type area, it looks like. And he sees embers uh, floating in there off some sort of fire and stuff. And it's all rather pretty at this point. And then he starts looking around. He sees people all around him who are in early 1900s clothing, similar era to the flashback scene. We get to see uh, William James, of course. And then he follows it up further and he comes to William James himself. His head on a stake, not really him. But his head on a stake who talks to him and he says a bunch of stuff but and then boils it down to basically explaining his story and blah, 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 blah. And then he starts like burning in to Shadow's eye and then the camera kind of zooms in on Shadow's eye and we see the the lynching happening and the, these sorts of things. Basically what we've already seen, but it's happening within Shadow's brain, I guess, somewhat. And then uh, William James says he'll be free from it when he shares it with the world. And I was like, oh, maybe this is something that's going to have long-term effects for the rest of the season, potentially, to do a Shadow and what he's, what he's doing. But no, not really. I don't, I don't feel like it has anything of substance to it, really, especially what happens <laughs> in just a moment, which is... We go. We're heading back to the funeral home. Shadow's heading back to the funeral home. Uh, back there, though, Bilquis has been talking to this Ruby girl who we met last episode. Uh, she's been talking out of her, t- talking her out of leaving the town in which Ruby was talking about leaving because she's now hating it because of what's like happening to her family and the other people around there. And the priest dudes like trying to talk her out of it as well. It was all very weird. I didn't really understand what the purpose of any of it is. I'm trying to get my head around. I, I feel like I'm missing something heavy with Bilquist. Uh, I can't quite put my finger on what exactly her plan is. It seems she's like 
she's looking for another way to get followers or get pr- prayer, I, I, I guess, and get, and get that somehow. And like her obsession with Jesus of her episode and now her obsession with this Ruby girl and like hanging around the home and something like, I'm like, Bill Quest has a plan. I don't know if I'm supposed to be aware of it and I'm just being very naive and it's completely going overhead and I'm, I'm missing it, which is of course uh, a potential. And uh, if someone can fill me in, that would be great. But she's been doing all this, whatever. We got like one scene of it. So she's at the home and they're doing the the the, the funeral or the service, I guess, finally for this uh, Ruby's family member. And it's very weird because we, we, we cut to the funeral home and basically all of the attendees are just gods. Like you got Nancy in the back, you got Bill Chris over here, you've got this priest dude up here doing this service, but there's no one else in there. It's just a, it's a whole bunch of gods at this service for some person they have no idea about, which is uh, weird and interesting, but... You got Ibis in there, of course. He's sitting there as well. And then Shadow walks in, and right as the the priest is like saying about, you know, if anyone wants to say anything, come up, come up here, say it now. And Shadow walks in, and he starts speaking uh, directly as William James, like he's got a, a deeper voice, all these sorts of things. And he says a whole bunch bunch of stuff about basically cursing people and slammed and something else, a very deeper voice. And then it's like cleared from his head, and then. Like he's, I guess he's, as the quote said before, he had to share his story with the world and by sharing it with the world, he meant fucking five people in this funeral home apparently. Cause then it seems to just disappear from shadow. And I was like, okay. Didn't really understand what, what the whole point of that thing was. Uh, the, the, the William James stuff, as I've said several times now in this episode, to me, it was basically this thing of setting up like Ibis and like him fucking with like cheating to get followers and then that potentially taking away from nancy and other other people and that causes friction within the gods and whatever else but anything that happened with william james and shadow i missed it went somewhat over my head i could see the episode like somewhat being about like not having not like they should they should all be working together and like an, an analogy for like uh uh Black, black people within America today, I guess. Like, we should all be working together, not working against one another type analogy for the episode somewhat. I'm not sure if that's exactly where it's going, but that was like something, I guess you could you could kick around somewhat to do with what the, the story of William James is. I, I don't know. It was weird. I really need, uh, I needed Nick here to fully explain to me. That's what I needed. Uh, and then Shadow's story basically ends where later in the episode, Wednesday's returned from what he's been doing this episode, which we'll get to in just a moment. And he's sitting there, he's drinking with Nancy, he's drinking with Ibis, they're all sitting around talking. Shadow comes in, he's like, what the fuck happened to me just before with this William James shit? No one gives him a straight answer. And then Shadow goes, fuck this shit, and he walks out. Which I was like, oh, so weird to end the episode constantly with just Shadow just like being not told answers. It's annoying as a member of the audience watching the show, but it's also really annoying to see Shadow just constantly, like, that's his character, his character's just being like, oh, I'm so annoyed, oh, I'm so annoyed, like, oh, fuck this, oh, just give me answers, I'm like, dude, just leave, honestly, at this point, just fucking leave, go go do something else, like, I, I don't know how he <laughs> constantly puts up with them, though, it becomes quite annoying, uh, so let's move on to Wednesday and the gym, though, and kind of what they go through in this episode, which isn't a whole bunch of anything, really, as far as, in my opinion, a whole bunch of nothing. Wednesday meets up with the Jin and Salim after leaving Shadow at his home. And they've got his spear, which of course they got in the other episode. The three pile into one car um, and they leave the the Jin, the bike they'd been traveling around on back there, which is not really important, but it's worth it for a funny joke here and there about the bike turning up later. Uh, and then 
Salim and the Jin are in a bad mood because right before Wednesday turned up, they had been bickering back and forth because uh, Salim finished eating something and then he uh, thanked his God and the Jin is still questioning why he's thanking his God given everything he's seen and what's happening around him and all these sorts of things. And then pretty much throughout the rest of the episode, it's this constant back and forth bickering about uh, the Jin and Salim about their beliefs and uh, Salim's beliefs and these other things. And it, it's funny because it's like what I thought I wanted from them, but then they're not doing it the way I... Like they're not doing it in an interesting way. It's just kind of like this bickering back and forth about, I, I don't know what the Jin actually wants Salim to say. I don't know if he just wants him to be like, yeah, my God was, my God isn't everything. Like, I, I don't know what he wants out of it. He's not really asking interesting questions. He just seems like he's just annoyed because Salim constantly isn't like, he's still continuing to kind of believe in his faith, which is, which is weird because I'm like, the, the gods are about blind faith. Really? That's what they want. Like the, Wednesday doesn't, none of the gods really, like Wednesday, for example, doesn't want to be constantly up there having to prove himself. He wants just blind faith constantly coming in. That's what they all kind of want to feed off, blind faith. So Salim has blind faith even in amongst when he's been shown something real in front of him and he still continues to have this blind faith somewhat and the djinn's like, that's stupid. I'm like, but is it? Is that, is that kind of somewhat what the point of the, the, the show is, I guess? But, um... So but it's funny because we do get a scene in the in the car where Wednesday says a line. He basically Wednesday just basically tries to pitch himself as a god to Celine. He's like, "Hey, my Wednesday and whatever is my game," and she fucking nearly handed him a card, which was funny. Uh, so they they all head off in this car trip, and they they're going to the King of the Dwarves, and they get there. And Wednesday talks to the King of the Dwarves. He says he's not going to fix his spear because he wants nothing to do with the war. And then they back forth for a little while, and it basically ends up with him being talking him to help him fix his spear. Of course, big whoop de doo. I'm sure it's going to be uh, something of interest later when it comes to spear. At the moment, I was like, all Wednesday's scenes in this episode felt unnecessary to me and could have been spent on something else potentially more interesting. Like, they could have been like, we're just going to go get the, the spear fixed and then I could have never seen them get the, fierce, the spears fixed and then it could just turned up fixed and I would have been perfectly covered. I don't feel like I'm necessary of seeing the King of the Dwarves and the, the King of the Dwarves, sorry, and all these sorts of things. I'm like, mm, you're not really doing anything interesting for me. Um, and then at the end, Wednesday takes off in his car. He's like, I hope to see you later. Uh, the gin, you need to come with me, uh, turn up wherever the hell I'm going to talk to. And then Salim agrees to still continue with the gin. Um, we find out at some stage during this episode as, as well, amongst all their bickering that the reason the gin's following and doing what Wednesday says, uh, cause Salim accuses him of like praying to Wednesday or like believing in Wednesday or whatever. And it's not that it's because he like, basically it seems like Wednesday's the, got, uh, the, I can't remember what exactly it was, but it, it, he's a slave. The djinn is a slave to Wednesday somewhat. It seems like he's got something over him, something that's letting him control him. That's how it's all happening. Uh, and the djinn is slave in the episode, just bickering, still head off into the distance to continue bickering for episodes into the future. And I'm like, no, I'm, I'm kind of over years at this point, to be honest. I'm kind of sick of years. Sorry. Uh, let's start, move on to the last uh, story point characters that we had uh the main eventful uh when it comes to like characters actually moving forward in their own stories i guess we get mad sweeney uh and laura's stuff that happens so mad sweeney we see has finally arrived in new orleans thanks to his jesus bus trip where we last saw him and now he's uh very drunk he's wandering around the streets yelling and screaming about stuff and he starts yelling and talking to a statue i can't i i uh, should have gone back and double checked i'm sorry but uh 
I think it was like a statue of Jesus or something. Anyway, it was a statue of some of a god like Jesus or, or something along those lines. And he's like talk, he's like putting his arm around. He's like, you weren't even fucking this, blah, 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 blah. It's quite funny. It's interesting. And then he's about to pass out on the ground in the middle of the street, seemingly. And then Laura turns up and the two of them catch up. And they're like, hey, how'd you get here? Hey, Laura, Wednesday fucked you over. And she's like, yeah, he sure did. And he's like, well, you look a little bit better. And she's like, yeah, but it's not permanent. And then he's like, well, do you want to go get permanent? And he's, she's like, that's why I'm fucking here. And then they head on over to the Barons, right? So they meet up with the Baron, who's played by Mustafa Shakir, recently cast for the Cowboy Bebop series. And then, uh, was it Madame Bridget? Bridget? I'm just going to say Brid- Bridget from now on, because Brig- Brigitte, the, the lady. There's a lady. There's a lady there whose uh, character name I'm struggling with. He's uh, played by Hanny, Hanny Furstenberg. We'll go in with that as well. So they strike up a deal. They go in there. The Browns seem to get along very well with Mad Sweeney. Back and forth. I like their kind of back and forth talking and stuff. They all seem to, to like they had a good repertoire with one another as actors and stuff. That was uh, what that was good, which made the scenes all work well. Um, I'm enjoying seeing Laura back with Sweeney. I'm enjoying what's happening. The Baron then, they get to, they get down to business, I suppose is the way to put it. And they begin talking about uh, Sweeney's like, I need her brought back to life to have a compact. It was over use of this word fucking compact in this episode as well. It's like, they say it like four times in a row in this one scene. He's like, man, Sweeney's like, do you have a compact? Bring her back to life. I need my fucking coin. Fucking dead wife. And then Baron's over here. He's talking to Laura, fucking around with her with smoke and, giving her something so she can throw up a bunch of worms and stuff that was gross and whatever else is going, whatever else is going on there. And then the Baron's like, oh, you know, I, I deal in troops. Dead wife, do we have a, do we have a compact? And she's like, yes, we have a compact. And then Matt's when he's like, we've got a compact. We've all got compacts. We've all got, we've all got compacts, dead wife. We've got fucking promises and troops. Uh, so then, the Mad Sweeney gets up and leaves with uh, Madame whatever Merman that the, the the woman and Laura stays with the Baron. The Baron begins over here. He's over in the kitchen cooking up beer. He starts working on some concoction, concoction. Jesus Christ, words. Uh, they, but he says that he can do everything but one final ingredient, and the one final ingredient that she needs for this potion of magical stuffness to work to bring her back to life fully is uh the sweat of true love or something along those lines is what it was true love is what she needs which she doesn't have currently uh and then he begins basically giving her shit about saying that the biggest betrayal that she ever did to shadow was actually saying that uh she loved him in the first place which she's all like but i guess it's like uh i'm gonna fight true love business nothing to do with shadow it's going to be do it's going to be something else completely it's going to be better and i think given what happens in this episode what she's going she's going to get sweat of true love or whatever it happens to be in a big surprising turn of events it's going to come from you heard it here first everyone mad sweeney that's where i'm putting my predictions at so mad sweeney is going to be the last ingredient that she needs somewhat because what we get into right now, of course, is the reveal that we audience were kind of aware of that he was obviously in love with her somewhat. Uh, we got hints of this even in that one scene where they went through the, his, uh, I can't remember the name of it, the, the Horde. I think it was, yeah, the Horde, where he's, his fast travel mechanic where they he took him to the bridge and they jumped on the train that, the, the tr- moving train that episode. 
the Hort, you see in the background, this you, you see the two of uh, Mad Sweeney and Laura having sex in a couple frames if you slot down and stuff. So, and people were like, oh, is that his dark thoughts or along those things? But it's like the scene that you see there is actually the scene that happens in this episode, which is interesting, I guess. Like, I don't know if that means anything that it's the exact same scene. Don't really know. Uh, but yeah, because Laura starts having it off with the Baron. They have big nasty sex times. And then uh, Mad Sweeney's over here with the the, the lady. That's just what I'm going to call it from now on. Uh, he's over here having sex with the lady. Uh, well, at first she teases him because he's like thinking about Laura and can't get out of her head. And I presume that he was aware of the fact that if she's over here trying to have it off with him, then the Baron's over here trying to have it off with her. Uh, and didn't seem to be a big fan of that. And then amongst all their big unison sexy times, they appear to be getting it on with one another. And they seem to be that the following morning in the scene following this aware of that, or at least Mad Sweeney is. I presume that she's kind of aware of it too. But it's like, they never actually, you know what I'm saying? They never actually did the deed. It just seemed to be some big, that's the truth, I guess. Like when the Baron says he deals in troops, the truth was that Mad Sweeney's in love with her. I don't know if her appearing there means anything about her feelings as well or it had to be like returned for that to even happen i'm not sure but we are very much aware at this stage that man sweeney has feelings for laura which is why when they're like oh you need sweat of love or whatever it is i'm like yeah that's that's gonna come from mad sweeney for sure um that's why i'm scared of certain things that's gonna happen and i'm sure they'll we'll get to them sometime in the future but uh the next morning Laura's kind of just waiting there. Baron's fucked off. She gets up. She's about to leave. She grabs the potion off the table, chucks it in her dress or whatever. So she's got that. She's just in need of this last ingredient. And I suppose at this stage, she's in a world with gods and she's come back to life from whatever else. At this stage, she's not really at the stage of doubting if it's ever going to work. And what else does she have to go off really at this point? She might as well try and find sweat of true love or whatever. But I, I suppose in her mind, it is this... Like, oh, I better go find Shadow because that's where I'm going to get it from. But I don't think you're getting it from Shadow. Sorry to spoil it. I don't think that's where it's happening. Uh, Matt Sweeney turns up at this stage, though, comes in. Uh, he begins, right? It's, it's funny because he, he he walks in kind of like, hey, like, we did it last night. We didn't really do it, but we kind of did it. And he's like trying to talk to her all nice and whatever else. And he's like, I oh, did it work and these sorts of things. But then she starts spitting it, of course, and she, she starts accusing him of. Um, still working for Wednesday and this was all part of Wednesday's plan to continue fucking with her and keep her away from Shadow and, and uh, whatever else is going on um, and then straight away of course Sweeney reacts by verbally hitting back at her and he's like oh fuck you this blah 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 uh, then she says he's a coward like he's out looking for one final battle to die in but he's too afraid to actually get into one or start one basically um, and then he, um, she, she fucks off out the door. She begins on a mission to, I presume, go find Shadow for that ingredient because that's where I reckon she presumes it's coming from. It's not, I don't, I really don't think it is. Uh, and then he stands there, takes a swig of a bottle and he curses her under a, his, his breath in um, his home language, I guess, Irish. That's presumably something along those lines. I don't think that actually means he cursed her, cursed her properly or anything like that. He was just cursing her for the sake of cursing. Um, but yeah, that was this week's episode. Um, I guess it, it's really hard because the, the, the thing with this week's episode is it kind of is 
uh, once again, as someone who hasn't read the books, right? Someone who hasn't read the books, there's one thing that I know happens in the book that we kind of mentioned on, the, on this episode before, and I don't know if it's spoilers to continually say it, but it's something I know that happens in the book with a certain character that's in this episode. I'm well aware of what happens and that it's way different in the book compared to what's happening here. But everything that happens in this episode has basically set me up for what I think is going to happen. And I'm going to say it. I just want to put a block here. So if you want to turn it off, potential spoilers, this this is it. What I'm going with is that Mad Sweeney is going to die um, for Laura in some way or fashion uh, in their kind of sick, twisted love story. Now, does he just die of in a fight with a new god? That would be weird, I feel. Does Laura, like, fucking kill him to get what she needs for a potion? That would be fucked up, but it would make sense also. I'm going down that road. It's something he's going to die to save her, to do something. He, he's he's going to finally go for a final battle. Either way, Serena's dying soon, and it's going to have some part to do with love for Laura, and then that's going to have some part to do with her coming back to life. That's my prediction. That's what we're going for, because I feel like that's kind of what we're hinting at. For sure here. Either way, this is uh, episode five, of course. So we only have three more episodes left in the season. Only a couple more weeks of it, uh, for sure. I do want to do a quick little pimp here. If you're uh, watching this and you are also someone who watches Game of Thrones, we have South the King's Landing. Uh, It'll be up... Most likely by the time you're watching this, it should be up the first episode. Uh, me and Ash from Explosion Network as well, predicting and putting through our thoughts for what is going to happen in the final season of Game of Thrones. And then, of course, starting from next week, as Game of Thrones is airing, we will be doing an after show for that and breaking down all the things about that as well. So if you enjoy Game of Thrones and you enjoy Viewing Gods uh, and our after show stuff, make sure you check out that one uh, as well, of course. But thank you for joining us on this week. Well, I say us. It's me. Thank you for joining me on this week's episode of Viewing Gods. I'm sorry if it was a very uh, a little bit weird and out of context. My no, I last second just had to change around the the, the, the whole setup. Uh, the, the so it was just suited for me. And then my notes were kind of in in accordance for two people, like for a back forth thing. And I probably would have done my notes a little bit different if I um, was preparing them solely for myself, but I, I just don't have time. So I apologize for that. Um, so I hope it was an okay episode of Viewing Gods this week. Uh, of course, my name is Dylan. You can follow me on Twitter at V-I-V-A-L-A-D-I-L. And you can watch this show over at youtube.com slash Explosion Network, where you should give it a thumbs up if you would please and subscribe to the channel. If you'd like to just listen to the show, you can do that by heading over to Apple Podcasts, Spotify, and whatever podcast service you'd like to use and just search for Viewing Gods, of course. Uh, make sure you head on over to ExplosionNetwork.com as well. We can check out a whole bunch of great content over there and specifically check out our movie and TV podcast. What do you want to watch to hear us talk more about movies and TV in the general sort of sense until next week. Uh, I'm going to do a sign off by myself. It's really weird. I didn't realize I'd have to do the sign off by myself. Keep, uh, keep viewing gods. I guess I stole Ash's outro to what do you want to watch? Okay. Bye.